Yo, guys, it's Burn. I doubt it with Talmor is a great show, especially when I'm able to fast forward through Jesse's insistent yammering. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Dalamore. Right here we are once again, episode ninety nine of I Doubt It with Dollamore. I am your host Jesse Dollamore, and sitting across from me, rearing to go, is my lovely, wonderful, loyal, intelligent co-host Brittany Page. Yep, that was a litany. All accurate. A litany of compliments just spewed. Yes, yeah. I like it. It's good. Can mm-hmm. you imagine, or can you believe? I suppose you probably can imagine it, but can you believe episode 99? It's pretty crazy. We started this humble little project of ours almost a year ago. Here we are, 99 episodes in, and I don't have one single thing planned for episode 100. Oh, I thought we kind of have one thing a little planned. Nope. Oh. I don't know what you're talking about. Okay. Never mind. And since the mics are on and I don't want you to... Is is there something? I thought there was something, but I I can't really talk oh. about it right now because... Are you talking about the thing where I've just been getting the little minor clips? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I guess we could do that. I still... I haven't said on anything because... Well, one, my system of logging and, and cataloging, as good as it works for me now... <laughs> In retrospect, it really doesn't work to go back because pulling up... Anyway, it's technical and it's very, very boring, but... And a lot of just complaining, it sounds like. Yeah, suffice it to say, I really don't have anything planned for the 100. Maybe I'll do something, maybe not. But rest assured, for our one-year anniversary, there will be something, and that comes along next next month, very, very shortly here. So... Happy Lent, everybody. Wednesday, <laughs> February 20 or February 18th, mm-hmm. 2015, Lent. Yes, Happy Ash Wednesday, as I saw many non-Christians posting today. I find that very weird. I, 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 uh, I experienced that on my Facebook timeline as well. A lot of people very jubilant about Lent. It makes me wonder if they know that it's a religious holiday. Yeah, I saw non-religious people saying they're going to be giving things up for Lent as well. And <laughs> I was kind of confused. I never, I grew up Protestant, um, fundamentalist, uh, evangelical Christian, and we didn't do the Lent thing. In fact, I grew up, as the audience likely knows, if you're a new, a new listener, this will be information for you about your lovely hosts. Um, I grew up in northern Idaho, where... Catholicism's not a big deal. Now, we did have a Catholic church in my hometown, my tiny hometown. But the majority, the vast majority of of people with whom I I interacted or grew up with um, were Mormon, largely, and then Protestant, whatever flavor of Protestantism that they happened to be. So the first time that I actually encountered someone with the dirt on their forehead... Well, shouldn't we talk about what Lent is first? Oh, yeah, that would be that would be helpful. Thank you for 
reining me in, for pulling in the reins, as it were, and keeping me from going off the rails. Well, I mean, just in case there's people who aren't aren't totally sure, which it seems like there might be since people are giving things up for Lent without being religious. Uh, well, absolutely, because I was just going to tell a story about how I was a, an adult, mm-hmm. I was a grown man, and had no idea. So go okay. ahead. Yeah, let's talk about it. So the name Lent comes from the Middle English Lenten, meaning spring. Lent signifies 40 days of fasting in order to imitate the fast of Jesus Christ after his baptism. Lent begins on Ash Wednesday, 46 days before Easter Sunday, when it ends. And they are celebratory days honoring the resurrection. The six Sundays that occur during the period of Lent do not count as a part of the 40-day observance. So it's like Ramadan for Christians, (laughs) where there's fasting. And the way I understand it is, is participants... Um, give up something specific for that period of time. Like yes. people who are kind of pussies about it, they'll give up chocolate. Some people will give up music. Whatever it is, it's a sacrifice. That's their their form of fasting. No, I I know you're making a, a face. I I really have mm-hmm. heard of people giving up ridiculous things. Yeah, <laughs> because apparently in Christianity, to deny oneself is a form of worship. Mm -hmm. Honoring the resurrection. Right. Well, whatever. Okay, so Ash Wednesday is a day of fasting that gets its name from the practice of sprinkling ashes over those engaging in the fast of Lent. And the practice fell into disuse during the 8th, 9th, and 10th centuries when the beginning of Lent was symbolized by placing ashes on the heads of the entire congregation. Today, some Christians have a cross put on their forehead in ashes. The ashes are usually made from the previous year's blessed palm fronds from Palm Sunday and are usually wet with holy water before being used. You know, holy water. Someone who said some words, they say a magic spell over the water and it becomes holy. Mm -hmm. yeah cool no it's it's real it's not magic it's real yes (laughs) i i had an ash wednesday experience should i share that first or should you get back to your story by all means you go ahead (laughs) (laughs) wow isn't that kind of how it works here it is you just do whatever you want to do we are a few minutes in and it is already hostile up in here (laughs) so it is co-host, so, you know, I don't have any more control. <laughs> I mean, other than the fact that I have your mic on-off button right here in front of me. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, share your story, regale the audience <laughs> of your wonderful tale that will leave them in awe and in stitches of laughter. Well, now I don't want to share it because no, no. it's not going to do any of that at all. I don't think mine will either, so. <laughs> okay, so when I was like 12 or 13 or 14, I was in youth group at my church and we met once a week, like Wednesday or something. And we had an Ash Wednesday thing one time. And the youth pastor did this cross on the forehead thing with everybody. This is weird to me, Start just starting off because of the fact that I know the church where you went as a child and it's not Catholic. No. It's, it's not Episcopalian. It's not even an offshoot of a direct offshoot of Catholicism. It, it's a straight up non-denominational church. Right. Yeah. So anyway, that's weird to me because it's this is this is not a, a Protestant type of thing. Go ahead. So I didn't want that on my forehead. <laughs> and so I was the only one in youth group that did not participate. Okay, I have a couple question, questions here. Was the reason behind your not wanting it on your forehead, was it because you believe 
at the time you were, no, this is weird, cultish ceremony and magic. I, I think this is weird and I don't want to participate in this. Or was it, uh-uh, I don't want that dirt on my head. Um, <laughs> I wish I could say the former, but... <laughs> But it is the latter because I had a crush on my youth pastor and I think it was more, I didn't want to look ridiculous in front of him. So I was like, I'll let everyone else get that stuff on their forehead. I'm going to sit here looking good. You were just way too cool for school. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, my story does not involve teenage years. Although looking back, I don't know if I was a teenager or not. I may have been 20, 21. Okay. But I, it was um, when I was in the Marine Corps. Jesse was a Marine, everybody. Hey, look at that. 99 episodes deep, and it happens almost every single time. So I was in the Marine Corps, and I was doing something at headquarters, and one of my buddies came in from my unit, and he had the dirt on his forehead. And I I did the old, oh, hey, you got something on your head, and I'm not sure if I licked my hand to like rub it off, because, mm-hmm. you know, they're... That wouldn't be out of the scope of, of possibilities. Right. And I go to rub it off, and I actually made contact and wiped some of it off, and he freaked out. Wow. And he was, no, no, oh, like like I was wiping away the magic or something. It was, he was very, uh, and I, he, he explained to me, it's Ash Wednesday. I queried, what the hell is that? And, you know, but it was goddamn... 20, 21 years into my into my life before I remembered or registered, hey, someone has dirt on their head. Mm-hmm. I need to help a guy out. It's not dirt. It's the ashes from the palm fronds. The from... ho- holy water infused yes. magic sacrament. Yes. Yeah. Not dirt. Not dirt. <laughs> no, someone said magic words over it to make it special. It is. Yep. Is, is, this, is this not... I wish we had a live studio audience because I could gauge whether my message was getting through that this seems weird it if someone was to take a goat or a chicken in a voodoo ceremony and say some ooga booga some magic words over it christians would think that's weird they're doing some ceremony that's goofy but because it's christianity and they grew up with it it's okay that they say magic words over dirt burnt palm leaves it's no different than voodoo. It's not. It's weird. The views and opinions expressed by Jesse Dollimore are solely those of Jesse Dollimore and do not reflect the views and opinions of Brittany Page, who is a far superior person and much more measured and reasonable in her views and analysis. Well, I mean, what what you're saying is right. It's just, of course, that's going to upset people. So, you know what I mean? It's far be it from me to upset people. I, I After 99 episodes, I think that's chiefly my job. You know, and, and the the whole thing is if it makes people feel better, if they're giving something up that makes them feel better and whatever, then then great. That's great. That's that's fantastic. Good. <laughs> I wish I had a disclaimer for me about you. And also what freaks me out is um seeing little kids with this on their their forehead. Yeah, I started a meme last year, in fact. Last year, Ash Wednesday, I started a meme with a little girl. And she's pointing at her head and she says, I'm a Christian or I'm a sinner. My parents say so. Or um, uh, I have to wear this because I'm a sinner. Something like that. And the other day, the thinking atheist, he shared it, oddly enough. And I went and looked because it's been a year. And, you know, I do a lot of those dumb memes. And I was like, oh, wow, that that was mine. I'm famous. (laughs) 
here is the pat on the back that yeah. I'm giving to you. Seriously, my arm is hurting from patting myself on the back all day long. <laughs> so I guess we'll stick with the theme <laughs> and uh, talk briefly about the terrible week that uh, religion globally had. So CNN posted this article. It's called Religion's Week from Hell, and it was posted yesterday on the 17th. Tuesday, February 17th. Yeah, yeah. And so... I think by now, people who listen to podcasts know that they're not listening live. So, although I still have the same compulsion to explain, we're talking to you a day before you're hearing us. But go ahead. Sorry. So they kind of recounted some things that happened last week that illustrate what a bummer time religion is having. Yeah. On Monday, Boko Haram, the Muslim militant group in Nigeria, attacked several towns in neighboring Cameroon, kidnapping 20 people. They detonated a car bomb in Niger, and the death toll is still unclear. Not a good time. Those guys are... the. I mean, it's cliche to say, but the personification of evil, and they really are. They're terrible. We need, sorry, we need, more needs to be done by the United States, too, to to counter, to combat, to literally combat what they're doing. The problem is, is that U.S. foreign policy for many, many years has been um, to turn a blind eye to the shit that goes on in Africa. And whether it be Darfur or some of the terrible things that go on... Um, we need to do more. I mean, we we jumped on the bandwagon with the Ebola scare in in Nigeria or in uh, Liberia and, you know, in West Africa, but that was only because we knew that that was going to be coming to our shores, so we jumped in and helped out. We need to have a more proactive approach to African issues. It's just, you know, it's the dark continent, and I don't mean skin color. I mean it just all their problems are dark to us. We don't we don't pay attention. And we need to do more because we have a moral and ethical obligation to help those countries out, I believe. So several African nations have amassed armies to confront Boko Haram. And Boko Haram's leader said in a video recently posted to YouTube, your soldiers are infidels and God's soldiers are victorious. Of course. On Tuesday, Craig Stephen Hicks, an ardent atheist who railed online against religion, was accused of killing three young Muslims in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. Police said the shootings likely resulted from a long-running dispute between Hicks and his neighbors over parking spaces, but Muslims immediately immediately urged the Obama administration to investigate the murders as a hate crime, and the hashtag Muslim Lives Matter trended on Twitter. Here's my thing with this. One, I think that this is a miscategorized uh, news story because just because someone is religious or just because someone is adjacent to religion relative to their not believing <laughs> in religion doesn't make it a religious issue. And the North Carolina officials have, they, I think they've, they've officially come out and said this is as a result of a parking dispute. And I'm not justifying what this guy did. This guy is an abhorrent character. He is a maniac. He murdered three people, execution style. He needs to be dealt with. If I believed in the death penalty, I would prescribe the death penalty. However, he needs to be in prison for the rest of his natural life for what he did. There is no justification for it. However, he didn't do it in the name of atheism. Boko Haram is doing what they're doing in the name of Allah, in the name of Islam. 
it's a completely different thing. And I'm not just saying this because I am also an atheist. I'm saying it because the two, they shouldn't be categorized in the same grouping. Well, and I think we talked about it before that, you know, maybe it is still good for atheists to take a look at themselves. And this guy, some of the posts that he made publicly were very uneducated and seemed very hostile and angry and and it just seems unnecessary i would agree with that i think the conversation you know we we talk about it on the show every single episode about moving the conversation forward and then about how important it is to have a dialogue with people you disagree and if anything what you just said was great because in a, in a millisecond you turned me around on it um although i still hold to what i said if anything positive comes out of this, it will be the dialogue between the religious people and atheists. And also, it demonstrates, because as soon as this took place, and this guy had been labeled an atheist, atheist organizations all around the world came out to condemn, with much vigor, they condemned his actions and his violence, whether or not it was in the name of atheists, atheism. He, he did it. They came out boldly. And it's kind of a a shot across the bow, figuratively, metaphorically, to uh, Islamist or you know moderate Muslims, moderate Christians, moderate religious folks who 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 hesitant, who are very hesitant to come out and condemn acts of violence in the name of their faith. But many do. Many do, but you know, all too often they don't. And atheists also call religious people moderates to come out and do that. Yeah, yeah. So, like I said, I, it was, uh, if anything, it, if it leads to a conversation, then I think that's a good thing. And, you know, if it leads to self-reflection relative to um, checking yourself before you post something, if it has too much of a hateful or angry flavor to it, maybe you should reword it. Maybe you should rethink what the messaging is. If you're strictly going doing it to be a dick, that's one thing. But if you really want to change hearts and minds, then the messaging should be reevaluated. Well, and I would take it a step further. If you're posting something that's hateful online and you want to reconsider what you're posting, maybe reconsider what you're thinking in your head as well. If yeah. you're so angry and hostile and bigoted against a group of people rather than the ideas, that's a problem. And if your anger toward the ideas are then transferring onto the people, that's a problem. I agree. I couldn't agree more. Very good point. Okay, All right, so moving on. Wednesday, ISIS, the Muslim militant group that calls itself the Islamic State, launched several attacks across Iraq, striking Kurdish forces in the north and Iraqi civilians in Baghdad. At least 31 people were killed in Baghdad, including a top Sunni Muslim leader and 10 Shiite Muslims, as ISIS bombs exploded in several neighborhoods. This is, um, well, again, you know, when we talk about the weakened religion and all the killing that goes on, obviously we're in a period of time where Islam's the bad guy on the block. It hasn't always been that way, but it's the way it is now. I think that it is, um, it is wise to, to pause and to realize that ISIL is not just a threat to, to Christians, ISIL is not just a threat to Westerners. ISIL is not just a threat to Japanese or, or non-Muslims. They are largely, maybe chiefly, <laughs> uh, 
a threat to their own kind, to their own members of their own faith. Of course, they are beheading, you know, scores of Christians in Libya and across the region, but they are also raping and killing and torturing members of their own faith on a daily basis. And again, Obama needs to do more. Hopefully this authorization for force really goes somewhere and we can bring a broader coalition of people in to support the effort in a larger way because it needs to happen, desperately needs to happen before they grow in influence because they are, geographically they are spreading very rapidly. I mean, they're into Libya now and they're, use, they, they're wanting to use that as a gateway into Europe. And it's 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 a scary, very sobering thought. Thursday, Al Qaeda killed four Yemeni soldiers while seizing a critical military base, taking control of its weaponry, according to local security officials. U.S. officials consider Al Qaeda in the Arabian Peninsula, which is based in Yemen, the most dangerous branch of Al Qaeda. By Friday, Saudi Arabia, Germany, and Italy closed their embassies in Yemen following the United States and other nations. Yemen has turned into another failed state in the Middle East, said former Defense Secretary Leon Panetta, giving al-Qaeda a free hand to do what it wants. Imagine, if you will, living in your comfortable country, in your comfortable state, in your comfortable house, on your comfortable couch, and you hear that rebels have taken over the capital of your, of your, of your country and force the sitting government, the sitting government, to, to, to leave. I, I can't imagine that. And that's what's happened. That is what has, has happened in Yemen. Um, uh, I mean, whether you're sitting in Copenhagen or you're here in the Los Angeles area in the United States, I cannot imagine the capital of the United States in Washington, D.C. being overrun by rebels and a new government happen to be formed because the old one has just been ousted that's it's it's anathema to me i i there's just no way for me to process that it's dangerous shit, shit is going on over there and um it's terrible it's terrible for them so on friday boko haram killed more people and we will end it there because this is quite depressing yeah it's been a <laughs> terrible week maybe this is a segment we should do every every wednesday no this week in religion no or maybe this week in science because people aren't being beheaded <laughs> because of a difference of opinion on the big bang or you know new experimental drugs relative to cancer that's and that's not happening people are getting pretty fired up on the vaccine debate though yeah. am i right yeah but heads aren't rolling you know that's that's not happening all right that's true there's a civility there. Mm, yes. <laughs> even if harsh words are spoken, no no one's getting even a hangnail. Someone might bite their tongue if speaking too quickly. Can you give someone a hangnail? Oh yeah, I'll bite the shit out of a fingernail. I will give I'll give you a fingernail or a hangnail right now. I don't think that that can happen. It can happen. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So next up Gallup just posted an article and I this is going to be the last one. Maybe maybe, I don't know. No promises. Uh, Gallup just posted an article about church attendance state by state. Right. So they did the top 10 states church attendance. You're you're getting a workout today. I'm just announcing what we're going to talk about. And then I sit back. I don't have to do anything. It's awesome. This is how it works. This is how the show should be run. 
These results are based on Gallup daily tracking interviews throughout 2014 with 177,030 U.S. adults. Wow, that's that's a massive sample. And reflect those who say, quote, at least once a week when asked, quote, how often do you attend church, synagogue, or mosque? At least once a week, almost every week, about once a month, seldom or never. Okay, so these are people who said at least once a week. So the top 10 states with the highest weekly attendance, do you want to guess what number one is? Um, Mississippi or Alabama? <gasps> okay, those are two and three. So you did not get number one. Oh, okay, uh, number one. Um, uh, am I getting close? No. Really? Mm -mm. Tennessee. No, but All that right. is number... I could probably pick the the top 10, but... Yes. Okay, the number one is Utah. Oh, ah, damn it. Yes. Of course. I wouldn't have guessed that. I would have guessed all southern states. Right. But of course the Mormons. Yeah. They are devoted to their to their, their, their fairy tale. The... Should I play it again? <laughs> so Utah is number one. Mississippi is number two. Alabama is number three. You get the point. Now, the bottom 10 states right. in uh, weekly oh, with weekly attendance. I'm ch I'm champing at the bit here. So Okay, so what is the number one, the, the one at the bottom? I would say Vermont, New Hampshire, Vermont. Vermont is number one okay. and New Hampshire is number two. Okay. So good job. Yeah. Followed by Maine, Massachusetts, Washington, Oregon, Hawaii, Colorado, Connecticut, Alaska. Those are the bottom 10 in church attendance, weekly church attendance. I would not have guessed Alaska, nor would have I guessed Washington, because eastern Washington with Spokane, everything from about Yakima over east is super Jesus-y, very, very Christian. In Spokane, Washington alone, <laughs> there is probably, and I'm just guessing here, so this isn't a hard and fast number, as Brittany gives me the crook eye because she doesn't like bad information disseminated over our air um i would say there's probably eight to ten christian radio stations in a city with a population of about two hundred thousand. that is that's an astronomical number i'll have to check it out we'll see but anyway ju that just illustrates that there's a lot of jesus going on in eastern washington so vermont was the highest for people who said that they seldom or never went to church so one thing that's weird to me is that there's it goes from one to three percent of people who said they don't know. You don't know what your <laughs> church attendance is. Well, that's what's great about polls is because when they ask these people these questions, there's always the morons who invariably get kind of just filtered into the mix. And they I don't know. You don't know. Really, you don't know whether you go to church. Well, that's but what's confusing is this was an interview. So. I'm assuming that's that's obviously different from a survey, and I just don't know if you're being asked a question like that. I don't know. I, yeah, I don't know. And they obviously can't go, okay, well, let me frame the question differently because it needs to be this question right. that is answered. Right. So that's just weird. Very weird. All right. I lied before. Now I'm telling the truth. This next story will be the last, but it's not necessarily uh, a, a straight up. I mean, this has been, you know, almost 30 minutes of us talking about religion, and that's not normally what we do. So if you're just tuning in, rest assured, this is not how we run things. 
This is not the kind of business we do here on I Doubt It with Dollamore. However, Mississippi just passed HB 132, which is a, a piece of legislation that will uh, exempt churches when they have a vehicle and they're transporting parishioners from one place to another, it will exempt the driver of a church vehicle from having a, a CDL or a commercial driver's license from transporting 30 people or less. And there's no, it's, it's ridiculous. It's been dubbed the Jesus Take the Wheel Act. And it is, it, it's giving special preference to churches. And, and, you know, leading possibly to a dangerous situation on the roads for other drivers. Despite the support of the Mississippi House, not everyone thinks HB 132 is a bright idea. Veteran CDL certified driver Troy Cole said that allowing church van drivers to transport people without CDL certification would be potentially dangerous. Quote, I think this bill is trading the safety of everyone on the road for the convenience of those operating church vehicles. Since the bill covers vehicles up to 30 passengers, we're not just talking vans with extra rows of seats. These are buses with long frames and much larger blind spots than passenger vehicles. Obtaining a CDL is not especially difficult, but the testing does increase the level of scrutiny on drivers and the medical requirements prevent individuals with poor vision, hearing, or motor control, or untreated diabetes from driving large vehicles full of vulnerable passengers. Yeah. I mean, that's, that is uh, maybe the wisest thing anybody said, but this thing passed. This is, this is law in Mississippi, the way I read it. And it's, this is ludicrous. It makes it dangerous on the road. The, the most poignant thing he said is this is not just an Econoline van, and I'm paraphrasing here. This is not just an Econoline van with an extra row of seats. This is like a Greyhound bus, a large vehicle holding 30 people. That's a problem because, you know, you, you need to have special training and a special understanding of the road and what to do with that size vehicle carting around that many people. All right, so we're moving on. <laughs> we're sticking with Mississippi, though. <laughs> Mississippi might be the new Florida. What do you think? I think it's very possible. I wish we had a Mississippi theme to play because we need a new segment on the show strictly about Mississippi. This last week, a Mississippi state representative, Gene Alde, um, made some questionable remarks and he is being taken to task for them. A state lawmaker is under the microscope after making racially charged comments. Representative Gene Alday is trying to defend himself today. Yeah, those comments were made to the Clarion Ledger newspaper during an interview about education funding. Courtney Ann Jackson asked Alday for an explanation. In case you missed it, these are the quotes from Representative Gene Alday in Sunday's Clarion Ledger that sparked the controversy. Quote, I come from a town where all the blacks are getting food stamps and what I call welfare crazy checks. They don't work, end quote. And speaking of an emergency room visit, quote, I like to die. I laid in there for hours because they, blacks, were in there being treated for gunshots, end quote. I called Representative Alday to see what he would now say about the quotes. All right. 
He didn't deny making the comments, yet he seems offended by the accusations being thrown his way. I am definitely not a racist at all, because, I mean, I get along with everybody, and I spend a lot of time catching people. All day seems more concerned with clearing his name than what could happen to his political future. They want me to quit or resign, I will. That's not a problem with that. I didn't say anything wrong with the interview. He just took me out of content, because he asked for one thing and started asking another thing. A wave of statements from Allday's colleagues flooded in Monday morning. Speaker Philip Gunn saying he condemns the comments. Several Democratic representatives calling the statements divisive. Governor Phil Bryant also weighed in, saying... It's day and time to be able to make those racially charged remarks. It is just uh, unfounded. It, it is something that we in the party, as Republican Party, totally reject. I will apologize to the House, try to plead my case and saying I didn't do anything wrong. Courtney Ann Jackson, WLBT News. So it's always funny when people say, I'm definitely not racist. I get along with everybody. I am definitely not a racist at all. (laughs) Right. I had it queued up. So I know people that are racist or have known people that are racist in my life. Well, you still know them. You just don't associate. Right. And they get along with everybody. They get along with people that are of different races. They and just, then once they leave, right. they hate you. That's, that's right. That's how that works. Once they get behind closed doors, they express how they really feel. So just because you get along with people and you spend time helping people doesn't mean that you aren't harboring racist beliefs. Yeah, it's well, it's ridiculous. What really I question when I hear him talk is... Did she surprise him with a phone call and he was drunk as shit because, listen. I am definitely not a racist at all. I am definitely not a racist at all. (laughs) And this one? I didn't say anything wrong. I didn't say anything wrong. Yeah, it's like an SNL skit. Wrong. (laughs) I didn't say anything wrong. (laughs) What the hell? He really, he's like like the drunk uncle guy. Um, on this current cast of characters, that that character they have on Weekend Update. Mm-hmm. I don't know the cast well enough to know, but it's this is a it's a weird lack of logic, lack of thinking through what he's what his opinion is. Even some of the comments that he made previous were were weird. Like all the blacks get welfare checks, right? All of them, right? All of them, Brittany. He lives in a crazy area where all black people, just by virtue of their color, apparently, get to walk up and collect their check. And they they don't work. And when he goes to the ER, it, it's almost as if he's saying they were all in there, just all the blacks in there getting treated for gunshot wounds. <laughs> yeah, it makes me feel very uncomfortable. It was also weird when he said, I liked to died. Yeah. I liked to died. Yeah, well, it's um, it's Mississippi, Brittany. <laughs> what does that mean? Quit being so judgmental, Brittany. Okay, it's sorry. It's Mississippi. I don't get it. Number 50 in public education in the United States, and that's saying something. Number two in weekly church attendance. That's right. I am definitely not a racist at all. All right. So this week, there has been a story about uh, Qatar Airlines, the, the country of Qatar, Qatar, they're they're under fire because apparently there have been reports of their flight attendants being fired for getting married without permission from the company. Yikes. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty weird. 
I mean, just more bad press for a country which is in league with uh, countries like Saudi Arabia relative to, you know, civil rights records and human rights uh, 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 violations. And uh, again, another country that is an ally of the United States of America. So problematic. But um, the CEO, uh, Akbar Al-Bakar, they have great names, don't they? That was good, too. I was impressed right now. Uh, they He was on with Richard Quest, maybe my least favorite human being or least favorite employee of CNN. Least favorite human employee of CNN. How about that? Um, and he they were talking about the, the dust-up, and this is what transpired. One one particular point that the report does talk about with your airline, so if I can put it to you bluntly, is this is this question of the contracts that your flight attendants, uh, particularly the, well, obviously the female flight attendants sign, where they have to ask permission to get married and to to get pregnant. First of all, let's scotch this once and for all. Is that true? That is not true. That is a load of bullshit. This is people creating. <laughs> Uh, issues because just we don't have unions and this is what they don't like. They see that our work practices are very progressive. People have all the rights that they require and what uh, rumors are being circulated is absolutely untrue and we have already the ILO inspectors in my country that are looking into this and have already found that all these uh, uh, rumors are unsubstantiated right. and just created uh, to paint a bad picture on the Gulf carriers. Did you hear what he said, Brittany? <laughs> they well, no, I don't even mean that. I don't even. I don't even mean. That is not true. That is a load of bullshit. <laughs> I'm talking about him saying that they have all the rights that they require. That is what he said. Mm -hmm. So, according to Saudi government officials and Saudi royalty. Women, they also have all the rights that they require, Brittany. Driving is not a right that they require. Voting, apparently, in all elections is not a right that women require. So, language, you have to parse out the language. I mean, despite the fact that we haven't even talked about That is not true. That is a load of bullshit. Uh, that is a load of bullshit. <laughs> So they warned him that he was on TV, right? He was live on the air, which, well, I don't think it was a live uh, going out live over the air. Otherwise, they wouldn't have had time to bleep it. Um, but it's just, it's an what in the hell kind of a guy knows he's on the air with CNN, an international news agency that everyone has heard of. And that is not true. That is a load of bullshit. <laughs> He's the CEO of a major airline. That is awesome. That guy doesn't give a shit at all. Not one single shit. So moving right along, a new bit of research from the New England Journal of Medicine. So maybe the most respected medical journal in, well, that I know of. That doesn't really mean much because I don't know of all the medical journals, but a super well-respected source has come out with a report talking about just how bad smoking is. I guess the answer to that question would be real bad. Well, yeah. I mean, actually, they they think that the health toll is worse than previously thought. Wow. So a new study adds at least five diseases and 60,000 deaths a year to the toll taken by tobacco in the United States. 
Before the study, smoking was already blamed for nearly half a million deaths a year in this country from 21 diseases, including 12 types of cancer. The new findings are based on health data from nearly a million people who were followed for 10 years. In addition to the well-known hazards of lung cancer, artery disease, heart attacks, chronic lung disease, and stroke, the researchers found that smoking was linked to significantly increased risks of infection, kidney disease, intestinal disease caused by inadequate blood flow, and heart and lung ailments not previously attributed to tobacco. Brian D. Carter, an epidemiologist at the American Cancer Society and the first author of the article about this study, says, quote, the smoking epidemic is still ongoing and there is a need to evaluate how smoking is hurting us as a society to support clinicians and policymaking in public health. About 42 million Americans smoke. 15% of women and 21% of men, according to the CDC. Research has shown that their death rates are two to three times higher than those of people who have never smoked, and that on average they die more than a decade before non-smokers. Smokers are more than 20 times as likely as non-smokers to die of lung cancer. Poor people and those with less former education are most likely to smoke. That is what's weird to me, is it really is a a lower class and i don't mean like a a low class i mean it's it is you know your upper echelon of society they largely don't smoke the educated largely don't smoke the statistics bear this out this is a trailer park phenomenon and that might be offensive to you and i mean that tongue-in-cheek but people who are educated people who are wealthy typically do not smoke not as a rule so don't go giving me you know don't email me (laughs) with examples of people who are rich who smoke i'm not saying that it's the same argument for when like new york city a a pack of smokes is like 15 dollars for a package one pack of cigarettes wow that's largely because of of the tax that they put on it wow which is weird because they're largely taxing the poor Right. Because rich people, one, they can afford the, the pack of cigarettes. Whatever the cost. Right. And largely rich people don't smoke. So it's a weird thing for me. It's a weird thing that it's 2015. It is the year 2015. And people are still smoking themselves to death. For, for what I would say is little, there's little benefit to it. Because you're doing it for the high. You're doing it for the intoxicant that you get from it. So, like, I could see smoking weed and being really into that because there is a notable, like, wow, I'm I'm really high. I really like the way I feel right now. But with a cigarette, goddamn, you're just, you don't get that much from it to continue and lose a decade off of your life. A decade of good years that you could be having. Except addiction. I mean, you become addicted. Right. So these people are addicted and and that's the unfortunate part. But I mean, this really I mean, as if smokers don't already know, but this is adding more on to what they already know about the the dangers. And so I just hope that anyone who might be listening, this is smoker, you know, will take time to evaluate what they can do about their addiction, because if you stop smoking, it will have a positive effect on the longevity of your life and, and the right. health of your life. Well, and your current life. I mean, the, the the benefits that you will that you will receive from quitting smoking will help you right now. You'll taste your food more. You'll enjoy your life more. 
you won't feel burdened by walking up a slight incline. I mean, it's it's a lot of stuff that, that will benefit you. I feel bur- burdened by walking up a slight incline. Tell me about it. <laughs> so I want to make another note. This study was observational, meaning that it looked at people's habits like smoking and noted statistical correlations between their behavior and their health. Correlation does not prove a cause and effect relationship, so this kind of research is not considered as strong as experiments in which participants are assigned at random to treatments or placebos and then compared, but people cannot ethically be instructed to smoke for a study. So a lot of the data on smoking's effects on people comes from observational studies. That is not true. That is a lot of bullshit. Okay. No, it is true. Um, so that that's also a good point that um, I, I love this reporting in the New York Times on this study. Right. Because I think people should always be made aware of what the method of study was. And the caveats. And yeah, limitations to the study as well. So, you know, that is considered a limitation. At the same time, though, I like how they say, you know, you can't ethically assign people to do things. And that's a result in a lot of different experimental studies that when you want to assess things, you can't really assign people to do a lot of different things. Right, right. Because sometimes it's not okay to do that. Yeah, sure. Well, I mean, sometimes it's dangerous. Sometimes it's not beneficial. Sometimes it's a detriment. It's right. It's it's just ethically sound to do the right thing. Apparently, right. Mm-hmm. So moving on to a segment that I still don't have a bumper for. None of my creative listeners have come to my aid and created a Pew Research bumper. Pew pew <laughs> pew 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 pew. It's got. Listen, it doesn't have to be that. I want it to be that. I really want it to be that. I didn't like it at first, and now I do it all the time. I've actually gone, really, just at home alone. Pew, pew, pew. Whenever I open a pew link, I'm like, pew, pew. (laughs) Well, for President's Day, Pew Research released a presidential approval rating article, but it was based on the, the, the approval rating from the opposite party. And guess, if you can... I wish I had Jeopardy music, but guess if you can, who had the lowest rating? I'll give you time. Go ahead. Think about it. So, Brittany, without further ado. Barack Obama. (laughs) No surprise. No surprise that in this divided political climate that we have, Barack Obama is the lowest rate, has the lowest approval rating of any modern president. From the opposing party. From the opposing party. And that's even taking into consideration, like, George W. Bush. His approval rating from Democrats was 23%. Obama's from Republicans is like 14. 16. Oh, sorry, I was going to say 16. Yeah. So, For, I mean... 14%, huh? And George W. Bush was not... Not well liked by Demo- uh, Democrats, right? That is true. However, I, listen. As much as I dislike our current president and disagree with him on many, many, almost all things, I would say that um, the current political climate in our country, relative to Washington D.C., between the two parties, is at a an all time low. It's even worse than it was during the Bush administration. I mean, if you look at Reagan during the eighties. He was he was liked by Democrats. They didn't always agree, but the way they ran things was the way they operated was differently than it is now. His Reagan's approval rating by Democrats was 31%. Right. Well, I guess that's even 
That's not that good. No, that isn't that good. <laughs> All um, right, I guess never mind what I just said. George H.W. Bush looks like he had the, and this is only from Eisenhower on that they're showing me here. Right. So um, George H.W. Bush looks like he had the best approval rating from the opposing party with 44% of Democrats approving of him. Hmm. And Well, he also went along and raised taxes when he said he wouldn't. And, you know, Ronald Reagan was, uh, that's very strange to me that he has such a, a, a poor approval rating because he worked hand in hand with Tip O'Neill, the Speaker of the House, to get a lot of uh, bipartisan stuff done. So very weird. So so who, what Democrats, who has the lowest and who has the highest uh, rating uh, of the Democrats from the Republicans? Okay, so Kennedy had the highest approval rating from Republicans mm -hmm. at a 49%. Johnson had the second highest approval rating from Republicans as a Democrat at 40%. And Carter had the third highest approval rating from Republicans at 30%. And then Clinton is at 27%. So this also illustrates perfectly the trend, though. They say views of the president among members of the opposing party have become steadily more negative over time. Right. And this is as a result of what we've talked about many times on the show, the political polarization that has happened where we almost view the opposing party as like an opposing, like it's almost like a racist thing. It's yeah. getting to the point where it's very heated and hostile. Well, you're, 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 you're intermingling your views on their ideology with your views on the human being, you right, know? And, right. and I think that really when, when you couple those things together, it just exacerbates the, the amount of distrust and the amount of, of, uh, discord you know no good right. no good so does that surprise you any of the clinton only at the uh, 27 percent no no because the, i mean i i came of age politically in under the clinton administration um and he was not well liked i mean he was doing a lot of bad shit so you know it, when well we, we won't go there but yeah it doesn't surprise me but it, it does surprise me that it i mean it doesn't surprise me per se, but it is interesting to see that, you know, K Kennedy with a 40, 46% or whatever, and then 40% for Johnson and just steadily declining. When is this going to end? When are we going to be able to, you know, have a kumbaya moment politically and just get together and do some compromising? Because even the Senate, the United States Senate, which is supposed to be and historically has been the most deliberative body the most compromising group of individuals in our government, it is no longer that way. It is obstruction from both sides on all issues. Right. It needs to stop. So I thought this was interesting, just real quick. The lowest approval from their own party was Jimmy Carter with 57% of Democrats approving of his job performance. What was the percentage? 57%. Wow. Jimmy Carter. Yes. He was a terrible, terrible president. He is the least approved of president, apparently, by his own party. Oh, right. Since, since Eisenhower. Yeah. Well, you know, what are you going to do? So although I'm not going to play the Florida Files theme. It's not, playing. Yeah, I know. Oh. I'm not going to play it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, because it's not really a Florida Files. I mean, it, this guy is a Florida lawyer. Um, but I don't think it really rises to the occasion like the woman who was naked and masturbating in front of cars this week 
which we didn't include in the rundown. Um, so it doesn't rise officially to the occasion of a Florida file. However, it's still a Florida lawyer. A Florida lawyer this morning is offering what he considers a foolproof way to get through DUI checkpoints. Don't say a word to police. He points to videos like this showing officers waving silent drivers through. Jan Crawford is back to show us the controversial new approach gaining traction. Jan, good morning. Well, good morning. So this is called the Fair DUI Flyer. And the video tutorial on YouTube has been seen more than 2 million times. But advocacy groups like Mothers Against Drunk Driving say it could allow impaired drivers to bypass the law. This is a DUI checkpoint in Florida last New Year's Eve. Watch as police wave this driver through without even asking him to roll down his window. The man behind the wheel and the video is Florida attorney Warren Redlick. Says I remain silent. He believes this is a legal loophole to dodge sobriety checks. The checkpoints require is that you stop and typically that you show the police your driver's license. You're doing that. What you're not doing is going beyond what's required in a checkpoint. Redlick says he was tired of defending people who were wrongfully arrested after going through these checkpoints. There are genuinely drunk drivers that need to be taken off the road, but unfortunately the way the system works, a lot of innocent people get caught up in it. And the idea of this is to help people protect themselves by not rolling down their window and by asserting their right. He's tailored his DUI flyers to the laws of 12 states so far. Now others around the country are using them and posting their videos online. We are approaching a DUI checkpoint. We are testing um, the fair DUI flyer. We're obviously not intoxicated. We're doing this intentionally. I think you always have people who are trying to beat the system and push the envelope. Former federal prosecutor David Weinstein says even though the flyers might hold up in court, he doesn't recommend people challenge the police at the checkpoints. When you sign your driver's license, you're consenting to the ability of law enforcement to give you both roadside tests and to require you to, to blow in a breathalyzer. In 1990, the Supreme Court ruled DUI checkpoints were legal. Today, police in 38 states use them to deter drunk drivers. Studies have found that they consistently reduced alcohol-related crashes by about 9%. Colleen Sheehy Church is the president of Mothers Against Drunk Driving. Her son Dustin was killed in a drunk driving accident 10 years ago. Sobriety checkpoints are advertised um, so that people know where they are. They're not there necessarily to make arrests. They are there to deter people from driving drunk. MAD and law enforcement agencies worry that an intoxicated driver could use the flyers to avoid getting caught. But Redlick thinks that's not likely. Drunk people are not good at following instructions, they're not good at remaining silent, and they're not good at being patient, and all those things are required to make this work. So if you're drunk, you're probably not going to pull it off. Now, Redleck told us that he hopes that someone will challenge the use of these flyers, and that if it goes to court, it'll pave the way for the Supreme Court to one day re-examine its ruling on sobriety checkpoints. Nora. And Jan, what's at the heart of this attorney telling people not to speak to the police or roll down their windows? Well, you know, he says that that just gives cops a chance to, you know, say that they either smelled alcohol or they heard slurred speech. Really, he says it's a pretext to search for other things. Gail? All right. Thank you, Jan. So this is tough because it's an emotionally charged issue, that it's drunk drivers who are potentially um, risking the lives of other citizens on the road. And it, it, they for sure, drunk driving is a terrible thing.
people, you are risking the lives of other people. Lots of people die in drunk driving crashes. My, my maternal grandmother was killed by a drunk driver when my mother was only nine years old. You know, it, it hits home. It's for sure. It's a problem. However, in this country, we have the presumption of innocence. In this country, we are protected against illegal detainment, arrest. We are uh, uh, protected against harassment from the authorities. We are protected from these things just by virtue of our citizenship in this country. You, you don't get to just stop me. And that's why the stop and frisk thing is no longer uh, a policy among the, the, the NYPD in New York City. Because you're not allowed to just stop someone because they look a certain way. You're not allowed to just stop someone because they're driving a car on a certain road and you get to stop them and, and find out if they're drunk. Because effectively, you're detaining them. You're searching them. You're, it's a search and seizure issue, issue also. It's also, you know, the Fourth Amendment protects us from illegal searches. And that's effectively what you're doing when you stop someone without cause. Without cause. Now, that all that said was to demonstrate that I am opposed to, to DUI checkpoints. I think they are fundamentally wrong. If someone is drunk and they're swerving and they're driving erratically, pull them over and arrest them and they will have, they'll serve their day in court. However, I think that this lawyer... I wouldn't recommend doing this. I think you're just asking for trouble. But that said, you know, we'll see. I, I, I would love for this to, to have another day before the Supreme Court and do away with DOI checkpoints. Well, this is just a very lawyery thing to do now, isn't it? Oh, of course. You know. I mean, that's that's the only way I can describe it. It's just very lawyery. That's it. Yeah, well, I, I take it you're... Not in agreement with the things I just said. It's okay. I would love for you to disagree. Well, well no, I mean, I. Th this is the thing that always ends up happening is that I, I know that what you're saying makes sense. At the same time, meh. Yeah, I know. Because, <laughs> you, you, because you've never driven drunk. And no. I, and it's not about protecting. He, here's the thing. Ah, this is perfect. This is, it's not about protecting the drunk driver. It's about protecting all the hundreds and the vast majority of people who are being detained and questioned and harassed effectively who aren't drunk, who aren't doing anything wrong. And I understand that because I have gone through a DUI checkpoint and I was very stressed out even though I, d <laughs> I don't drink. And if I know that I'm going to be... You don't drink? I meant I don't... Drink and drive. Right. I... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I mean, when I, if I'm going to a, a situation where I'm going to be drinking, I make sure I have something else going on in terms of driving because even if I have one drink, I don't like to drive. Yeah. I'm just, um, I'm paranoid about it. Sure. And so one time I went through a DUI checkpoint and of course I had not been drinking, but I was still extremely anxious that some kind of trouble was going to be caused. Right. Because that's how I'm, I'm prone to feel. Right. Around cops for some reason. So I just... Well, listen, it, that is, it's the same thing with the Arizona law, the immigration thing that they tried to do uh, a, a few years ago, where 
they could stop people and ask them for citizenship papers. Well, that is, that's a problem for me where it's not protecting the illegal immigrant. It is protecting the citizen. You don't get to stop me and ask me for my papers and proof of citizenship. I'm a citizen. I am afforded and entitled to certain inalienable rights. Nah. Yes. <laughs> Most certainly. Yes, I know. I know. So that's my problem. It's all these citizens who are being harassed and bothered on the roads. They're fine. All right. Now let's talk about something fun. <laughs> <laughs> you can tell when Brittany is getting frustrated because she transitions from topic to topic. <laughs> Great. That was so, a good transition, too. Maybe I should take over. Yeah. All right. No, maybe we should no, do that. no, no. I'm maybe kidding. One I don't want to. Maybe one of these shows going forward. You'll host. No. And I will co-host. No. That's all right. Why not? Anyway, let's proceed with the fun. <laughs> what fun? What are we going to do? We are going to talk about the Oscars. Oh, yeah. Okay. And we never do this kind of crap. So people are who love our show for the news and politics and religion are probably like, what the hell is this? But come on, everybody, everybody well, loves movies. Brit Brittany wants to do this so much that she printed... From the official, the Oscars, live Oscar Sunday, February 22nd, 7 Eastern and 4 Pacific. It's a ballot. They actually have a ballot that you can print. Yes. I didn't fill my ballot out, but I can tell you. We're going to go through. Only the main categories. Only like the four main categories. Yeah, we're going to talk about who we think and why. Because we've seen... Most of these movies. The vast majority of the nominees. Okay, so let's get into it. The... We're going to just talk about our picks and you guys can share your picks. You can tell us, I can't believe you, you discussed this on the podcast and ruined my life. All this is great. Okay. So we will start with best performance by an actress in a supporting role. Mm -hmm. And the nominees are, oh, this is so oh, fun. Wow. Okay. Um, Patricia Arquette in Boyhood, Laura Dern in Wild, Kira Knightley in The Imitation Game, Emma Stone in Birdman, and Meryl Streep in Into the Woods. I didn't have that on mine. Yeah, it's, oh, it's, it's on, on the, the back. back. Okay. All right. Well, then I'm going to give my... Should I get the drum roll ready or would that be... That's too much drum roll going on. Yeah, it's too much. We'll do it the first time. How about that? Okay. Just the first time. Emma Stone. Emma Stone. Yeah, for sure. Oh, are we going to do it at the same time? That's a good idea. Okay. Yeah. So we, we know. So smart. you're not influencing me. Well, one, because we saw, I didn't see Wild and I didn't see Into the Woods or whatever, but I did see, we saw all the others, Birdman, Imitation Game, and Boyhood. Patricia, Patricia Arquette deserves nothing. No, it was borderline terrible. No, it wasn't borderline. She crossed the border long ago. It was terrible acting. It was fucking laughable acting. So the main reason that, that Boyhood is getting so much love is because it was filmed over that 12-year period. And really, that's the only reason that Boyhood is getting so much love at these award shows. Because otherwise, that movie was not great and the acting wasn't great. And I mean, nothing was great about Listen, that movie. If that movie had been filmed in a standard, you know, 12 weeks, it, there was nothing special about it. The story was meh. There was no conflict. There was nothing to look forward to. The narrative was, was weak. I mean, this isn't a movie podcast, but or a movie review podcast. But let me tell you, that movie was very, very adequate. JD was <laughs> not a fan. Not a fan. So we both 
Let's circle our picks. Mm-hmm. Emma Stone. Yes. All okay. Right. So best supporting actor. Uh, performance by a by a uh, an actor in a in a supporting role. Where the hell is it? You're not as good at this as I am. No, I'm not at all. It's at the oh, top I, here. Why is it segregated? Because the be... women come after the men, as you can see. As it should be. No. All right. Um, our picks for performance by an actor in a supporting role: Robert Duvall in The Judge, Ethan Hawke in Boyhood, Edward Norton in Birdman, Mark Ruffalo in Foxcatcher. Or J.K. Simmons in Whiplash. Oh, I have to do Drummel. Because we have to answer at the same time. Okay. We our, can just count down. No, One, two, three. No, absolutely not. Okay. Our, our pick. J.K. JK Simmons, Simmons in, Bur- in uh, Whiplash. Whiplash. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> for sure. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, he is completely fantastic. If you have not seen Whiplash, I don't know what you're doing with your time. I've been trying to get Jesse to go with me and see it again, <laughs> and he refuses. No, I don't refuse. But I want to see it again. Why, I loved it so why much. Why are you a filthy, dirty liar? Because that's my only way of being. Uh, actually, what I mean is... That is not true. That is a lot of bullshit. <laughs> that's my new favorite <laughs> drop. Okay, so performance by an actress in a leading role. Marion Cattallard, Two Days, One Night. Felicity Jones, The Theory of Everything. Julianne Moore, Still Alice. Rosamund Pike, Gone Girl. And Reese Witherspoon, Wild. And this mm. is a hard one because yeah. we have not seen three of five of these. All right. Um, ready? Yeah. Rosamund Pike, Gone Girl. Are you kidding? Yeah, for sure. I think she did a great job. I don't in respect that. you anymore at Listen, all. Listen, just because I didn't like the movie that great that that much, she did a wonderful job. She was an awesome actress, and she does a bang up American accent. That's the only thing you've ever seen her in. What if she really is like that character in Gone Girl? Oh, really? <laughs> well, maybe. What if J.K. Simmons is a a psychopath asshole? Like I've he seen was in him Oz. in other things. He's he was you've nice seen in him Juno. In one other thing. No and a commercial. Yeah, he's nice in the commercials too. <laughs> Those are two Christ. nice things and one mean thing. All right. All right. So now we're going into leading role, right? God, I'm, I'm terrible at this. Yes. Per- best performance by an actor in a leading role. Hey, you don't get to read them. That's okay. my job. All right. God damn. I'm trying to take work from me. Performance by an actor in a leading role. Steve Carell, Foxcatcher. Bradley Cooper, American Snyder. American Sniper. Benedict Cumberbatch, The Imitation Game. Michael Keaton, Birdman. Or Eddie Redmayne, The Theory of Everything. Okay, this one's really hard. This is well, it's always really, really hard because it's a leading actor. And um, all right, no. I'm I'm gonna do who I think is gonna win rather than who I want to win. I'm gonna do who I think is well. I'm gonna do who I want to win. I'm gonna do who I want to. Okay, win. should I do who I want to win rather than who I think should win? Yes. Okay. All or right. I mean, you get what I mean. Yeah, we're not we're not predicting the winner. We're saying who we should okay. think should win. Okay. All right. Win. Okay. All right. Eddie Redmayne, The Theory of Everything. Why didn't you go? Because I still can't decide. <laughs> <laughs> I was like sweating just now. Like I was so stressed out. All right. All right. What is it then? I don't. I, I really, I really thought Bradley Cooper was really, really good. Of course he was. He was great. And I loved Michael Keaton too. No, that he's not even in the run. And. Not for me. Of course, Eddie Redmayne. Listen, he was, was awesome. phenomenal. 
so you you really want Bradley Cooper is what you're saying. I'm you, con- you're working it out. The audience knows. Everybody can hear what you're saying. You <laughs> are a Sack Lodge fan. <laughs> it's called a Sack Lodge. Okay. So, um, so, so spell it out. I can't do it. Gotcha. I can't commit to an answer. I can't. You're the worst. Okay, so I get to read the best motion picture of the year. Okay. Why? Why? Because you just read the last one. I get to oh, read the next one. All right, that makes okay, sense. Okay, here are the nominees for best motion picture of the year. American Sniper, Birdman, Boyhood, The Grand Budapest Hotel, The Imitation Game. Well, don't play it after I read a movie that's good. The Imitation Game. Is good. Yeah. Well, I w- all right. Then do it this Kay, way. Let me continue. Ugh. Selma, The Theory of Everything, and Whiplash. All right. This is a no-brainer. Whiplash. whiplash. For sure, Whiplash. Of course, Whiplash. It needs to win, but of course, Boyhood is probably going to win, which if, is complete bullshit. Right, and listen. I'm sorry for saying that, but it is. If if whip if 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 well if whiplash doesn't win i might go uh well i might better not say that this is no you better be careful <laughs> with what you're about to say all right listen if boyhood wins best picture <laughs> okay no just stop i really i i want to say something ridiculous like i'll shave my fucking head no it's this is i will be so outraged i might boycott that i'm like they give a fuck but i might boycott <laughs> the oscars next year if Boyhood wins Best Picture. Okay, you can boycott it, but it will still be playing in this house. <laughs> so it doesn't matter what you'll be doing. They'll still be getting the ratings. Listen, if you have not gone and seen Whiplash yet, you are missing a phenomenon. Right. An, an un, unbelievable movie. Mm-hmm. Brittany, while she's definitely a nail biter, is not typically a finger biter and she came away with bloody fingertips because it is if you've if you've ever seen a TV show called The Shield it is much like that very nerve-wracking very emotion inducing because one the music it was just awesome everything about the movie was super great uh, wonderful wonderful acting great music the directing was phenomenal and it was a lower budget movie. This wasn't mm-hmm. a, a, a massive budget. So right. kudos to the, the, the people involved. It's awesome. I really hope they win. Me too. Why don't you say me dose like you usually do? Because then everyone will know how dumb I am. <laughs> they All already right. know. They already <laughs> know. That is not true. That is a lot of bullshit. <laughs> I love that guy. How awesome would it be to get that guy on the show? That guy is the coolest. The the coolest. I wish we had it not bleeped. I'm really going to do... Well, listen, I tell you what. If there's anybody out there who has a source on this to get this unbleeped, I want that clip. I want this without the bleep. That is not true. That is a lot of bullshit. <laughs> so I guess with that, how can you not just leave with that? Uh, we're going to leave it there. Listen, we love you very much. I didn't drop the phone number one time this show. If you have something to say, something to add, something from which to detract, 657-464-7609. That is our number. Leave us a short, less than three-minute voicemail. Um, You can also leave your drop, your particular where you're from, what your name is, and, and how you don't listen to the show. 
We're still collecting those. We're always going to be collecting those. If you are voicemail averse, record yourself on your smartphone and email it to idoubtit at dollamore.com. If you'd like to support the show, other than listening twice a week, we have an Amazon link on dollamore.com. You can buy a book. You can buy linens or sunglasses or stationery. You probably cannot buy palm fronds where you would burn them and then say magic spells over. But there's all kinds of stuff you can buy on Amazon.com. And if you're going to spend your money anyway, why not make a purchase on dollamore.com through the website and support your favorite show offering you content twice a week featuring news news and ridiculous comment and now oscar comments and now lots of oscar comment listen we love you we appreciate you we really do it means the world to us that you you, you spend uh as much time as you do with us in conversation moving the conversation forward listen be genuine everybody for Brittany page i am jesse dollamore and this has been i doubt it that is not true that is a lot of bullshit